Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're watching here. Uh, my name is Johnny Tyson, and I work um, for the North American Mission Board, and I help plant churches here in Calgary. Uh, I'm known as a church plant catalyst, and that means I, I find, I assess, I uh, train, care for church planters, and we try and start new churches um, all over southern, all over Canada, but, but my role here is in southern Alberta. Uh, my wife and I, we live here in Calgary. Uh, we have three grown sons and have been in ministry for about 28 years. Um, and we moved from BC like your Pastor Tyler did, who we just ordained. But, but unlike Pastor Tyler, uh, I have switched my allegiances, and now I proudly wear a Red Flames jersey, and he apparently still dons a blue Canucks jersey. Um, you need to work on him. Uh, I believe Jeremiah 29 when he says you need to seek the peace and prosperity of your city. And so that's what I do, and I, I think you should put some pressure on Pastor Tyler to become a Flames fan. Amen? Amen. Well, great. Um, I love my job. And why I love my job is I get to hang out with and coach and mentor great people, mostly godly young men like Tyler. It's such a blessing to do that. And so when I, he asked me to speak here today, I was honored. I've known Tyler and walked with Tyler for, for many years. I'm so glad that he wound up here at this church because he's had a great experience. Uh, you have loved him well. You've trusted him, and I'm sure you've let him make mistakes. Tyler's made some mistakes, maybe. Not sure. He's a great guy, but I'm sure he's made a mistake or two, and you've continued to love him. You see, I know his story. I've walked with him through his, some of his stories, and he hasn't had good stories of, of mentors to work with and follow. So as someone who loves Tyler very much, I, I just want to thank you uh, for for loving my friend and allowing him and stewarding the gift that he has been to me and he is to your church. And so I'm happy to be here. Uh, when I was asked to speak, uh, Pastor Dale said, just a message centered around the calling, the role of pastor, following Jesus, etc. So I figured that narrows it down to myself. So maybe something out of the New Testament, but I'm pretty good at finding Jesus in the Old Testament. So preach something out of the entire Bible. So normally when I'm given such a narrow topic to speak on, I, I simply just pray and ask Jesus, what do you want to say to your church today? And how do you want me used to proclaim that? So I thought of speaking on the high calling of a pastor since we just saw Pastor Tyler be ordained. Maybe the qualifications of, of a pastor out of 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1, stuff that I speak a lot about in my ministry. But as I prayed, I, I felt this one passage that's been a huge passage to me in my life. And I want to share it with you today. And I think it will be an encouragement, not only for Pastor Tyler, but for you here at Westview Church. It's such an easy verse. And I think most of you will have it memorized by the time you finish watching this video or leave this service. The verse is a reference that's easy to remember. Four ones in a core like an apple. It basically sums up all that Tyler has just agreed to as he's just been ordained. And the passage is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, and it says this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let me read that again. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So today we're going to talk about imitation, about imitating people. And the definition of imitation is the act of using someone or something as a model. And so Paul here is saying, use me as a model because I'm using Christ as a model. 
I've got three sons. And as three sons, they've watched me as, I, as I've led and as I've led our family. And it, it's exciting to see that they've copied some of those things, that I see them reading their Bible by themselves and, and praying and, and still continuing to be in church as they are adults. But I remember when I was teaching them to drive, and, and maybe if some of you can, can relate to me as you taught your kids to drive. You've been driving for years and years, and all of a sudden you've got a, a 14-year-old that wants to begin to drive in, in and I, you begin to drive, and they start asking you questions. And they say things like, um, Dad, why is it okay for you to text and drive and be on the phone and drive, but I can't? That was before it was law. And, and why, do you, why do I have to come to a complete stop, but you don't? And why do I have to drive the speed limit, but you don't have to? Yeah, I'm right. You're, I'm busted, sons. So I realize that I have to change the way I do things because they're imitating the way I drive. Maybe you uh, have seen Christian leaders, and I've, I've done this. Uh, there's a Christian leader that you've listened to a podcast or you've gone to a conference, and you love the way they speak. They, you you want to be like them, and then, and then you talk to them, and you realize that they're arrogant and that, that the way they portray on stage is not what they actually portray in their real life. I've got Christian leaders that are, that are friends of mine that are leaders that are going through bouts with cancer. And to watch how they walk with this is incredible. It's like, man, I want to be like them because they are imitating Jesus of not having everything perfect, but following Jesus and trusting in him. You see, if you're not humble, I don't believe that you can be like Christ. So this passage that we're looking at this morning, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, Paul says this. The two questions that we need to say is, what does it mean to imitate Christ? And why did Paul say imitate himself rather than just saying, just imitate Jesus? We will answer those questions. And then the passage, I believe, has a question for you and for me. We'll answer those. See, when we look at Scripture, any Scripture we look at, it was written to a particular people at a particular time, in a particular place, and it was for a particular reason. And that's why we want to look at today. So this was written, the imitators of me, that's the Apostle Paul, or, or St. Paul, as you might know him by, a, a man that wrote 12 books in the New Testament. And he was writing to this church in Corinth, and it was a major port city. It was a big economic center. And Paul went there strategically as a missionary, and he wanted to tell people about Christ because it was a strategic place. He stayed there for a year and a half, and he kept telling people about Jesus, and he began, and he planted a church there. And after he'd stayed there for a year and a half and started the church, he left to go do it again. And then he got a report that this church that he planted, that the people that were there that he dearly loved, they were having some problems. So as a, as a good pastor does, he, he wrote this letter to help them, to get some of these problems corrected. See, he got this, this problem is that people weren't caring about their brothers and sisters. They were eating different kind of meats that had been sacrificed to idols. And some it was causing some to stumble. And Paul says, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about the other person. And he always brings them back to Jesus because he says the core principle is love. The core principle is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to this earth that he lived a perfect life that you and I could not live, and he died a death in our place that you and I deserved. And that's what Paul's reminding them of. 
So that's the context of the words that Paul is saying. So let's first of all tackle our first question. What does it mean to imitate Christ? What does it take, what does it mean to imitate Christ? So those of you that are new to Christianity or, or maybe just looking into Christianity, somebody invited you here this morning or someone said, watch this video. Let me tell you who Jesus was. Jesus is a man who walked on the earth some 2,000 years ago. He was born of a teenage virgin. Although he was God and he is God, he became a man to show us what God is like. He is eternal and he's part of the Holy Trinity that created the entire universe. He is fully God and fully man. He lived a sinless life. He performed many miracles and was crucified on a Roman cross, even though they could find no fault in him. He prophesied that he would have to die, and then three days later that he would rise from the dead and conquer sin and death for those who put their faith in him. And he's promised to come back for his church and take us to heaven and be with him forever. That's who Jesus was. And Paul wrote to a, another church, a church in Philippi, and he, he said this. And he's talking about what Jesus is. And so if we want to find out how we imitate Jesus, we've got to find out what Jesus did. He says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, who, though he was, and they're, they're talking about Jesus, was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. <coughs> Excuse me. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what Jesus did, Jesus came from heaven to live on earth as a rescue mission to bring us back to himself. The best way I've seen this illustrated is years ago, I was on a mission trip in Mexico and we were working at this orphanage. And at this orphanage, the, the uh, director of the orphanage was telling us about a time that the entire sewage system got backed up. And there was no one else that was there. He couldn't just call Roto-Rooter and they would come and do it. He was the director and their toilets were, were backing up and, and kids would have got sick. So he told me this is what he needed to do. He needed to climb down into the sewer system. And he took a huge plunger and he began to plunge it into the big pipe. And as he plunged it, and he plunged it, he all of a sudden felt it break. And all the pressure in the entire sewer system and all the orphanage came flying out at him at warp speed, covered in sewage. He said it took him days and days of, of showering and washing with bleach to get the smell off of his skin. And he said, that is just a little bit of what Jesus did as he left his home in heaven to come to earth, that earth that's filled with sin and death. But Jesus did that because he wanted to bring us back to himself. I don't know about you, but I, I love those, those movies where um, <clears throat> the guy goes and he, and he just brings back someone who's been kidnapped. So one of my favorite movies is Taken. And I know that's, you know, you know maybe you don't like that. But what I love about it is here Liam Neeson's, his, his daughter gets kidnapped and is now being human trafficked. And he does stops at nothing to get his daughter back. And it's a little bit of what Jesus did. He says, I'm not going to stop at anything to get my kids back to me. And so he left heaven and came to earth on a rescue mission to bring us back to himself. He didn't care that he was God. He came 
to bring us back to himself because we as humans had walked away from God as our mother and father did in the Garden of Eden. So we find that Jesus was humble. So to be like Christ is to be humble. Matthew 20, 28 says this, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So he was a servant. He didn't come to, to, to say, hey, come and serve me. He came to serve us. He was a servant. I like how the message puts this in John 1.14. It says this, that the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's so good. That Jesus came to earth to show us what God was like. That he was this loving, gracious, holy God. He came on a mission says in the scriptures that for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. He was on a mission to bring people back to God because we had walked away in our own selfishness and sin. And the only way that we could get back to God is by God coming after us. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He forgives his enemies. It's crazy. And last, one of the last things we'll talk about that we have time for is that he was full of truth and grace. See, there's a story in, in the book of John where uh, the leaders of the day, they, they brought this woman who had been caught in, in the act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, the law of Moses says we need to stone her. What do you say we need to do? And Jesus bends down and he begins to write in the dirt. And I think it's significant that he wrote in the dirt because he was, he was taking the eyes off of her and the shame off of her and, and directing it to his hand off of her. And then he, he stands up and he, he says, those of you without sin, you cast the first stone. And so it says that one by one they all left. And soon it was, it was just Jesus with this woman, the sinful woman. And Jesus asks her a question. So he says, so where are all the accusers? And she says, there are none. And Jesus says, I don't accuse you either. But he says, go and sin no more. So in Jesus, we see someone who's full of truth and grace. He doesn't just say nice things to us, but he tells us the truth. But he does it with grace and love. That's who Jesus was. He was an example. He was a servant. He loved his enemies. He was humble. He was full of truth and grace. So that's our first question answered. That's who Jesus was. So let's answer our second question. Why did Paul say imitate himself? Instead of just saying, well, imitate Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Be like Jesus. Doesn't that sound like it would make more sense? It, it seems, if you're honest, that it's a little arrogant. Follow me. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ? Is he, is he taking the spotlight off of Christ and putting it on himself? You wonder. But I don't think so. As I thought about this, as I did some reading, I, I believed that this was Paul being an extremely good leader. You see, he, he loved them. He loved these people that he was writing this letter to. He, know, he knew that he needed to tell them that he was living of what he was preaching. Just be like Jesus, and, and he didn't live that way. So if you can't live that way, how can, how can I be expected to live that way? He showed them an example. 
So now you're, you're thinking, okay, so yeah, that makes sense. He, he's a good leader, but, but that task seems daunting to, to imitate Jesus. And so maybe you would leave today and you would go away and you try really hard this week. Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imitate Jesus this week and you're going to fail. And you're going to say, I'm going to do it again. And you're going to fail. And you're going to go, man, I, I just can't. I just can't imitate Jesus. It's just way too hard. So Paul was, I think, saying that, that I'm doing it. I want to be an example. You see, Paul was a man who persecuted the church. Before he wrote the books of the Bible, he was a guy that was going around and he was persecuting the church. He was throwing Christians in jail and saying yes to their executions. Anybody that was proclaiming the good news of Jesus, which is the gospel, he wanted killed or put in jail. But he met Jesus. Jesus had already gone to heaven, but he met Jesus on this place, on this road to Damascus, where he was heading to hurt and imprison more Christians. You see, Paul had an experience with Jesus. He realized who he was, and he realized who Jesus was. You see, that's what it is. Paul says that he was the worst of sinners. Before that, Paul thought that, that he had it all together because he was, he was obeying the law perfectly, he tells us. But Paul wanted to show his people, first and foremost, that he had an experience with the risen Jesus. He wanted to know and let his people know that they needed a Savior, that they were sinners. And see, we, like Paul, are not saved by good works. We are sinners that need a Savior. You see, we can only believe and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You see, this is what separates Christianity from any other religion. So, so if you're watching this and, and you yet don't believe in Jesus, I'm so glad you're watching this. But, but every other religion says you have to do all of these things that God will maybe accept you in the end. And Christianity is the only religion or, or philosophical system or faith that says, no, Jesus came after you. God came after you. He did it all. So when we say yes to Jesus, it's saying yes out of the love that's been shown, not to try and gain his reward or gain his love, but it's, we do it because he's loved us first. That's amazing. It's the do mentality versus what's been done for us. You see, Paul had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And, and, and if you're here and you yet don't know Christ, and if someone told you to watch this, if you ask them, tell them, say, tell me about your experience with Jesus. And they'd love to tell you. Ask one of your pastors or leaders in this church. They would love to tell you about their experience with Jesus if you yet have had not that experience. So Paul was actually working out this. He was doing it. His life was worth duplicating. It's like any of us, the people that we look at and we, we admire, man, we, I want to be like that person because we admire what they do. We want to imitate what they do because it's not just words on a page or words out of their mouth. It's actually in action. So what did Paul say? What were the words that he said before he said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ? He said this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 to 33. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Now listen to, this, to what he says. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking, listen to this, my own advantage, but that 
of many that they may be saved. You see, Paul didn't care about his own life. He was obsessed with having people come to know Jesus, have an experience with Jesus. That's what he said, imitate me, because I've had that experience with Jesus. You see, Paul knew that if he didn't live his words, they would mean nothing. He knew that he needed, as a leader, he needed to model and show people what it meant to imitate Jesus. He, didn't, he knew that if he did not do this, his followers would lose heart. They wouldn't trust him as a leader. You see, Paul was on a mission to see people experience the love and forgiveness in the experience that he had when he met Jesus. He wanted to see people saved. He went as far as this. He said that he would be willing to give up his own salvation if it were possible that his brothers and sisters, his Jewish brothers and sisters, would come to know Christ. He was so wanting and love for other people because he knew that he was so loved by Jesus that allowed him to love others. He did not care about others or about himself. He knew that Jesus loved him first and loved him best. And there's nothing in this world could offer him that would fulfill him or compare to the love that he had with Jesus. He said crazy stuff like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In proclaiming the gospel all through the world, he, was, he endured imprisonments, countless beatings. He was nearly stoned to death. He was shipwrecked three, three times. He went without food and shelter. He was exposed to the elements. Why? He did it so he could save some, it tells us in Prince Corinthians 9. He said his life was poured out as a drink offering. Why? So he could save, see people save and meet Jesus. So do I want to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ? Absolutely. The question that I put forth to pastors as I lead, and this is the question that I believe it's asking us today. Is your life worth imitating? Let me say that again. Is your life worth imitating? Tyler, I'll ask you. Is your life worth imitating to the people that you lead? I guarantee you that everyone that looks to you as a leader is looking to you to be an example of Jesus. In this church, they're looking to their staff, to their pastoral staff, to their leaders, to be examples of Christ to be imitators of Christ. So I ask you, is your life worth imitating? You see, I put Tyler on the, on the spot today because he's a leader in this church, in this community. But how about you? There's only a few that work in this church. But the rest of you that, that call yourself believers, you go out every week to your workplace to your business, to your school, at home with your children, in your neighborhood as a neighbor? Is your life worth imitating? Based on your life, what would people say about Jesus? You see, your pastors may be pastors here and leaders here, and you're expecting them to live that way. But you're a Christian leader when you leave this place. How is your life making an impact on those around you? Parents, 
Do you want your kids following Jesus when they're grown and have their own families? Then let them imitate your life. Is being part of a church and participating regularly something that you want your kids to do when they're grown? If you do, then you need to make this a priority right now in your families, that your kids will imitate. Does church and being part of this community, does that take precedent in your life? Or does it come after sports and recreation? You, your kids will imitate what you do. And end with a story. Uh, I it was five years old. Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, Richmond, British Columbia. And I remember I was looking at my dad's eye, and I was sitting on his lap, and I was fooling around in church. And this was this was back in the early 70s, back when we took kids out when they were misbehaved in church. And so I was misbehaving, and I didn't believe my dad. He says, if if you keep misbehaving, we're going to the car. And the car was like, that was like a scale above going to, the, going to the bathroom to get a spanking. And so I didn't believe him. I just looked in his eyes and I said something. And he picked me up. He took me to the car. And he gave me a huge spanking. Some of you go, how could he do that? And I remember I thanked my dad. Because church was so important to him. That I would listen to the word of God. That he showed me truth, but he showed me grace. Truth, we don't, we don't mess around. He disciplined me. He wasn't scared to discipline me. And I thank him for that. Because church was so important. And I've made church important in my kid's life. And I have three grown sons. And, and I fought with them for, for wanting to come to church. They didn't want to go to church as you're young, as, when they were young. And why do we have to go to church again? I'm sick of this. And today, as grown men... They all desire to go to church. They go to church in Rome. That's such a blessing. And I'm not saying that's anything that, that we've done, but we made it a priority. We imitated us. And so, so parents, I, I, I just implore you, make God a priority. Make Jesus a priority in your life so your kids will imitate you as, you, as they grow older. So let's end off. Our verse today, four ones and a core like an apple. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So how can I do this? How can we do this and not feel like a failure? The way we can do this is first and foremost, we rely on Jesus' perfect ministry record, not our own. We rely on what Jesus has done for us, not we, what we can do for him. Romans 8.11 says this, and I, and I hope this is an encouragement. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to mortal bodies through his son who dwells in you. So friends, what's happening, what, you, what Paul is, what is being said here by, by Luke is the reality is that the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you if you call yourself a believer. You will fail. But I pray that you get back up in the strength of the Holy Spirit and says, Today, I want to imitate Christ. You want to do this? You live in your belovedness. Know that you're loved, that you've got nothing to prove. Jesus did it all for you on the cross. And I pray that this week, as you leave this place, that you take seriously being an imitator of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you love us so much, that you're a God that, that 
walks with us, that talks with us, that's given us your holy word, that you didn't leave us to our own devices to, to try and figure out what you want us to do and, and how you react and how you relate to us. But Father, we just thank you that you're a relational God, that we have your word, that we can listen to it, preach, and we can read it ourselves each week. And we pray, Father, for each and every person that's watching us today, Father, that they would, would leave this place encouraged and choosing to be an imitator of Christ, to live in their belovedness as a loved son or daughter in you, and that they could make an impact on their communities and realize that life is not about them because you came to this earth and you gave your life for us so we can give our lives to other people so they can experience Jesus the same way that we've experienced Jesus. So we pray for this. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to be with these people to live this this week. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.